Welcome to the Dwelling Podcast. We're so glad you tuned in. Our hopes is that this message inspires you and builds your faith today. You may be seated, guys. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team. Thank you so much. There is something about ushering God's presence in a place. And it's not about a drum. It's not about a guitar. It's not about voices. It's about all of that, but it's also about people coming in and wanting to press in God's presence. So that's always good. So glad to be back home. I had a friend of mine this morning that made, made my day by saying, oh, are you a first-time guest, sir? I'm like, yeah. right, thank you, Baxter. Appreciate it. You gave me a good laugh. I've been, I've been out for the last few weeks. I've had the privilege to go back home where I was raised, do some ministry, preach some youth retreats and churches. The church I was raised in, I haven't preached there in 30 years. It was so good to be there, but there's nothing like coming back at my real home. And this is this place. Um, this is great to be with you. I hope you're doing great today. I do believe that God wants to do something in our lives because moments, moments like this can be defining. They can be defining. And I don't think it's God's um, choice to make a moment defining. I think that's our choice. God shows up and we can determine at that moment if we want to make it a defining moment. There's a bunch of stories in the Bible where people had the opportunity to meet Jesus and, or meet God and, and they just missed it. It happens. Not because they didn't want to do anything with him. It was just like they didn't seize the moment or the, the value of that defining moment at that, mo- at that time. There was a moment in the, in the New Testament where there was this blind man who was uh, sitting by the pool and he just wanted to get in because he believed that that's how he, he could get healed. And Jesus comes by. He doesn't know who Jesus is. He calls him sir. And um, at that time, Jesus says, what can I do for you? Do you want to be healed? And the guy's like, well, yeah, I'd like to, but I can't jump in the pool where I think it can be healed. And, and Jesus says, well, dude, do you want me to heal you? And he's like, yeah. Then he gets, he, gets, he gets up, he's healed, and he goes all over the place, doesn't know who Jesus is. He got the blessing, but missed the moment to spend time with Jesus at that time. He just went, went around, that's all. We choose if a moment is defining or not. Because God, when God shows up, he shows up. He's not like, okay, I'll just, I'll dip my foot in your life, you know, to check if the water's cold or hot. He comes in and he's totally there. So defining moments are not from him. It's how we react to the moments we have with him. It's a little different. So this morning is, is, could be one of these defining moments. Because what we choose what we decide, what we let the Holy Spirit do in our lives at these moments will drive us in certain directions. How we make those choices will define something that could be a victory or could be a defeat, could become a struggle or could be a failure. And sometimes, I don't know about you, I've blamed God for some of my failures. I'm, it's like, why, God, you failed me. I didn't always say it that way. Sometimes it was more like, well, God, you missed that one. 
My, I get the, the few laughs made, I'm not the only one, right? I know, I know. It's like, God, really? Really? What were, what were you up to? I think you, I think you closed your eyes or, you know, I'm like, sometimes when God, when I pray for God to give me something, I want more character or something in my life. I'm like, God, was I, was I hiding under the porch when you gave that away? I, I, did, I was, I missed it. What's going on? How come I don't have that or I'm not like that and I'm just like this or that and God, you missed it, right? I'm like, I wish I was this. I wish I could be like that that preacher. I, I wish I could be like that coach. I wish I would, could be like, and God is like, come on, I gave you what you needed and more. Now we got to work it out. So today's king, because we're continuing in our series, Kings, is all about that. That king had three defining moments. I mean, defining moments. That, that could have gone really, really good. Oh my gosh, it could have been. <laughs> Drop the mic, but let's, let's go in the back and laugh at, about it. He had three defining moments that just changed his life. And we'll, we'll try to get something out of it. Because it's worthless to read the scripture and ask God to do something in our lives if we don't learn anything from it, right? We all know this. So I want this morning to be a defining moment between victories and failures. Mm. Mm. We all want this, right? Oh, I want, I want the woo. God, you got this. Come on. I'm, I'm all is good. This is awesome. Yeah, my God is good, is good, is. But we don't want those moments where we're like, oh, this sucks, man. I'm like, Jesus, what are you doing? Where are you? Jesus, God, whoa, what did he just say to me? Oh, God, how come my business is not working like it should? Oh, God, what is going on? Have you forgotten to answer my prayer? I know I'm the only one who does those things. And I do them on a regular basis. That's just the, the way I do things. But there is lessons we can learn from our failures. And we probably actually, by the way, we learn more from our failures than our successes. Pain is a great teacher. I hate that teacher, though. It's like my teacher in first grade, man. I hated that teacher. I didn't like her. Mrs. Lee's. I'm like, ah, yeah, but pain is a great teacher. We learn more in an instant of failure and adversity than we do in a great season of victories and everything's great. So are you ready to look at this king's life? Because when we look at his life, I'm not going to tell you who it is yet, unless Pastor Garner told you last week, which I hope he didn't. We'll learn that from this king Every victory is so close to failure. I mean, it's just a tiny little red line between the two. This is a victory and all of a sudden this is, the, this is a defeat. This is a failure. It's so close. It's almost like a, whatever that is. Flip of the coin is like, we don't know. But the thing is, it's not a flip of the coin if you're going to win or lose. If you're going to have victory or failure in your life. There are decisions that you need to make in a very specific moment. It doesn't mean the moment won't come again. So for victories to happen, you need to have a foe 
in front of you that will draw the fight out of you. Okay? You need this. I need this. If everything's too easy, we get entitled. We get like, oh, it's going to be good. It's good. We get lazy because we're human. We get all, it's like, oh, pff, it's, it's all okay. I'll see you later. It's not a problem. I'll be okay. But when we have a foe to fight, all of a sudden it's like, okay. Mom, can you go find him? Or like I did with my older sisters, like this guy was mean to me. Can you go talk to him? I'm yeah, I got my sisters to fight for me when I was a kid. Hey, what can I say? I look like an asparagus, so, you know. Did I just say that out loud? I did, right? Well, yeah, that was one of my failures as a kid growing up. I didn't feel the confidence to be who I was. So we think of failures as failed business, failed marriages, we only think of failure as something this big. Well, failure is not necessarily something big. Failure to show up when you're supposed to. Failure to say something when you were supposed to. Failure to be honest when you had the opportunity to. But also, I'm not, it's not all doom and gloom, obviously, because there are moments that we can actually, we do step up when we're supposed to. We do the right thing when we're supposed to. So remember that if you want a victory in your life, there is a foe to fight. You won't have a victory if you're not playing against anybody. I mean, it's just the way it is. Unless the other team doesn't show up which we played football. I remember, remember I played for the Polypis, right? That's a, let's not go back there again. That's, that's a whole different story from my life. But we won a football game, won nothing. A football game, won nothing. Not a soccer game, a football game. They did not show up. Imagine, we're already on the field. We're waiting there. They just, the team doesn't show up. But that's the exception to the rule. If you want to have a victory, you'll have to fight for something. Right? That's the first principle we got to remember. The second one is this one. Your decisions will determine the direction where you're going. If you're proactive, you're going somewhere. If you're inactive, you're not going anywhere. And if you procrastinate all the time in those decisions, guess what happens? That opportunity might just disappear. Right? So victories and successes are closely tied to our defeats and our failures. They're tied together. Yeah. One doesn't go without the other. Many victories, many failures. Many failures, many opportunities for victories. This king, we, we, we learned this about him, is that he, he kept his success Close to his failure, and that brings humility to you. Because yeah. if you only brag about your victories, you'll get proud about it. Yeah. But if you keep your successes, you keep your failures really close to it, it'll bring humility to you. Because yeah. yeah. I, I know I'm just a step away from missing something, and right? Yeah. But also, if you're the pessimist that I always fail all the time, 
and you forget to see the successes, then you do like, oh, like a bunch of blah, 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 pity party and the victimized mindset. But if you fail for a season and that happens, right? That happens. And you keep those successes really close to you, even if there are a few of them. It'll build resilience in your life though. Because you know, victory is just one breakthrough away from that moment. He's like, is he going to tell, tell us which king we're talking about? Yeah, I am. Just about now. His name is King, king David. There's so many lessons we could, we know all, we know is glory moment. Slingshot, whew, right? That's like rocket baby. They've probably written some, a few songs about him. We will, that's, probably, that's probably where it was first written. I mean, this is not a song from the 80s. That was a song from 800 BC. Like he made, Really, he rocked it. Um, oh, no pun intended on this one. Sorry about that one. Really sorry about that one. It never entered his head. Oh, okay, that'll be my second one. Sorry. Mom, I'm sorry. So we know that glorious moment. We know that one. And we'll talk about it, but that'll be our last story that we'll talk about him. Here's the first one. You ready for this? Resilience will bring victory. That's the first lesson we get from David. Resilience brings victory. I know resilience is not a sexy word. I know. Oh, I know. I mean, I, I would like to have a genie, you know, rub the lamp and grant me three wishes, you know. That'd be awesome. Right? Honestly. You're trying to close this business deal and you're like, oh, genie. We actually do that with God. It's just, we don't call him genie. God, can you make this work now? Okay, okay, I'm stepping on a few toes. I get it, I, I, I get it. But resilience is not a sexy word because it means to tough it out. So the first lesson from King David's life is this. Resilience will bring you victory. So if you have your Bible, great. Turn it on your phone, whatever. I'll read out of the NLT, and it's 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 3. And this one is like, it is, it is so painful to read if you look at it, that it's like, oh, really? Wow. So here's what happens in that verse. So Samuel needs to anoint a new king because Saul, with all his insecurities, just got booted out. And so God tells Samuel, go to the house of Jesse. I'll show you who the new king is. So he says, invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you which of his sons to anoint for me. So Samuel gets there. Jesse brings his sons. There's big, bulky guys there. And Samuel's like, oh, he the man. He gonna be our next king. God says, you know what? You're looking at what he looks like. I, I look differently at people. Right? It's important to people what we look like. But the God has, he doesn't really care. Right? But at this moment, all the sons of Jesse just go by Samuel. And Samuel haven't found, hasn't found the king yet. He's like, either God misspoke, I misheard, or you've got another son somewhere. 
and he had another son. Jesse said, oh yeah, that's right. We got, I got another one, my younger one. My youngest, you know, he's in the fields with, you know, braving electricity storms outside. So that's what, that's what he's doing. Uh, I can have him called in if you wanted me to. This is great, but think about it. The whole family's invited and where's David? He's not even invited to the feast. Oh, go back to the sheep, son. Get out of here. You stink. Get out of here. Not only does David has to deal with the fact that he's not invited to the feast, a family thing. That's got a sting when you think about it. Oh, you get all ticked off. And I do when friends meet and they, oh, sorry, we forgot to tell you. That's family. They don't, your dad doesn't even invite you. Can you take this knife out of my back as well? That's got to be painful. Think about it. He was forgotten. Who wants to be forgotten? No one. Who wants to be betrayed? And when he gets there, his older brother's like, hey, punk, what you doing here? Get back to your sheep. Well, actually, dad called me. Oh, yeah, dad, forget about dad. Just get out of here. So he's not invited. He's been forgotten. He's been all of that. But once he shows up, Samuel says, oh, he's, he's the new one. And he anoints him king. He takes the oil. That's how they did it back then, right? They didn't vote for him. It wasn't pushing buttons and oh, it was, it was rigged or not. That's not how it worked, right? It was, you're going to be the new king. Then they, they put some, some oil on his head and they just let it drip. That showed that he was the new king. Guess what? That was a great day. The Bible tells us that David, from that day on, the Holy Spirit was on him, which is great. But he only got to rule 40 years later. Let me repeat this. He got the anointing to be king. Everybody there knew this is the king is dead, long live the new king. The thing is, the old king was, wasn't dead yet. So he gets the anointing to be the king. It takes him 40 years to get there, though. What? God has called me to do something. Yeah. Not today. He's called you today. Mm. A victory happens with a moment, a defining moment. It starts there. But then resilience needs to kick in. Your victory might not totally be tomorrow morning or next week or next month. Dare I say next year. Dare I say next decade. Oh, no, no, that's no fun. God bless me, bless me, Jesus, come on. I can't dance for the love of my life, so I'll stop right here. He already did. He gave you the anointing to do what you're supposed to do. But now, first lesson is embrace hardships. 
Mm, okay. I knew I was not going to get an amen on this one. I knew it. I knew nobody would be like, woohoo, come on, preach it, brother. I knew, I knew this was not going to be it. Because we want everything yesterday. 40 years it took him. Oh, you, it was back in those days. He died at the same age we all, we all do. 40 years he had to tough it out. He had to work for the king he was going to replace. And he did it with grace. He did it with passion. He did it with respect. He did it with integrity. He did it with a lot of resilience. So first lesson is this one. If you really, really want to have a victory in your life, embrace hardships as something that builds something in you. Because the hardships will build will build character in you that Romans chapter 5 tells us. It will, when you embrace hardships to get the victory that God has promised, that God has promised. His promise doesn't change because it didn't happen tomorrow. It's still true tomorrow, even if you don't see it yet. Right? But that... Embracing the hardships will build character. Character. It'll build humility in you because you won't be all the time happy all the time around. Life is hard. Jesus tells us you'll have, you'll have troubles. We will. I mean, who's, who had a trouble week sometimes, right? Who did? Raise your hands, please. A great week. I was traveling to Montreal. It's like, okay, I thought I was going to see snow. I didn't see snow when I was there. It, but I, I slept little. I was preaching all the time and training people all the time. But it, it was like, oh, gosh. Wow. As you know, you don't drift into victory. You fight into victory. I want to be God. Take me to the top of the mountain. Hey, well, get ready to walk up, girl. Yeah. Come on, man. It's going to be a tough walk upstairs. Yeah. That's how it works. You do everything that's worthwhile is uphill. Yeah. It will require something from you that you need to be willing to give. Yeah. That's how you get it. I was talking with a, a young pastor on my trip, and a, and a young leader. Two people asked me the same question. And uh, they actually made a comment saying, you know what? I would love to do what you do. Meaning I had the stage, I had a microphone, I was getting paid for it. And they're like, yeah, I wish I could have that too. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much. Oh, it was great. Thank you, Stefan. It was great. Oh, well, you're welcome. And I would really love to do what you do. I'm like, okay. And then I said this, okay. I'll read it because I have to translate it because it was in French. Here's what I told him. Do you want to did what I did? So they looked at me funny like you are right now. I was like, no, that's not the right sentence. <laughs> Do you want to did what I did? Because did always happens before do, right? Do you want to go through the hardships that I had to go through? Do you want to go through all the pain that I've gone through to get where I'm at today? I got a few scars of my, in my soul of people that stabbed me because we were willing to give and sacrifice for them. And then all I got back was a 
crap on my balcony from somebody that I did good to. Resilience allows you to go through those moments. So before you want to do what they do, do you really want to do what they had to go through? 40 years was his, was his his life, not his lifetime, but the moment from where God promised him the victory he had, he had to build resilience. If I could get one amen on this one, I would be very happy. And I know it's not, I know it's not funny. I know it's not funny. I promise the last point will be more joyful. (laughs) But right? Did always comes before do. And when you're resilient all the time, Hebrews tells us that it is through um, determined perseverance that you will inherit God's promises. Not by being just tough perseverance. Hebrews chapter 10. So embrace hard because you'll get the best reward on it. Hey, second story is this one. Let me read this. This, this is the saddest part of David's story. I mean, this is the, the low of lows, okay? So let's read it. It's in 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1 and verse 2. I'm reading out of the NLT, okay? In the spring of the year. It's funny. Sometimes scripture is funny to me. It's like, why do they tell us it's in the spring? But it says this. In the spring of the year, when kings normally go to war. Okay, so they go to war in the spring. Fine. David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed them. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. At the time where kings go to war, he sends his people, but he stays back. Late one afternoon, that's right after, right? Late one afternoon, after his midday rest. Oh, a little siesta in the afternoon. Oh, I need, I'm so tired. I need to go to bed. As my soldiers are going to war, I'm going to stay here and sleep. David got out of his bed and was walking on the, top of, on, the, on the rooftop of his palace. As he looked over, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. If you don't know the rest of the story, I'll tell you very quickly. He thought that girl was hot. He asked her to come to his room. They did what, you know, what they do. She got pregnant. Ooh, then he finds out about the husband and he's like, okay. I'll have the husband come by and, you know, go do your thing with your wife. And the guy refuses. Oh, as my men are to war, at war, I cannot take rest and sleep with my wife. I cannot. So the guy sleeps at the door of, a, of the palace. He refuses and then David's like, okay, I got I to gotta plan something here, man. I gotta, we got to do something here. I'm like, okay, this is not working. He tells his captains, like, put him in front. So he goes to war, right? 
we all know the first ones out are the first ones to die. And he actually does. Whew. And it all started at a moment where he was supposed to go to war and he didn't. So here's a second lesson between victories and failures. Failure to take responsibility will always lead to disaster. Always. And now, before taking responsibility is, I don't know what it is in your life. It could be taking responsibility of growing your business. It could be taking the responsibility of, you know, be at peace with somebody else. It could be the taking the responsibility of studying when you're supposed to be studying. It, whatever the responsibility is, when we don't own our responsibility or responsibilities, it will bring disaster at one point. Always. Failure to take responsibility will bring us to laziness. That's what he did. He sent his army. Okay, guys, I'm good. Get out. Go destroy them. You got it, guys. Good job. Come on, Joab. You good. You got this. You got this. I've never heard somebody say, well, you go, you go move them because they need help. Come on, go for it. Send other people do your job. Whoa, whoa, that got silent all of a sudden. I know. I've sent people do my job once in a while and it never turned out correctly. Could you go tell them I'm not really happy with them? And then the person goes, and then you hear this like, oh, well, that didn't go well. Make it, how come? Oh, well, I don't know. Oh, and then I'm, they had a bad attitude. I was lazy with my own responsibility. So it turned, it turned around and it bite me in the butt. And then I'm complaining about other people. When we don't own our responsibilities, it comes back and it bites really hard. No fun. He sends his army. He stands behind and moments of boredom leads him to moments of bewilderment. He's like clueless on what's going on. I know none of us are in this season, but if you are, sending people do your work will never bring the results you want. Ever. Never. Ever. Did I say ever? Did I say never as well? Owning what we're supposed to be owning should come with the privilege that God has given you that thing. All the time. Worst part is David worked hard to cover his tracks. He worked hard. Oh gosh, he worked hard. He did everything he could to cover his tracks. But then he had to deal with the secrecy. Then he had to deal with deceit in his own life. Then he had to deal with the lies that he said. And then he had to deal with his depressive state because the Psalms talk about that moment and those Psalms are not the happy, joyous Psalms that we read. He was getting depressed by all the fact that he was not owning what he was supposed to be owning. Pause for a second, okay? Just, just a little pause and a little caveat to this. We can't judge other people's, how they're doing right now and saying, oh, they're not owning responsibility for their own thing. That's why, right? <laughs> no, 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 no. Own your own life. That'll be good. Right? 
Oh, this is a hat for you, bro. He's preaching to you. I'm actually preaching to all of us. If the hat fits, let's wear it. I know that's not an easy thing to do. In a, in a place where we, we go and say, God, I'm sorry for taking you for granted. We can't put that hat on somebody else. We got to wear that own hat for ourselves. Right? So if you really want to refuse to deal with the people, it'll bring out bitterness in your life. It'll bring indifference in your life. And you don't want that. If you refuse to deal with your thoughts, it'll bring you a depressive state. You'll get anguish. You'll get anxiety that you don't want to deal with. Maybe there's something that you need to own. Just deal with it. There was a season in my life where I was a youth pastor years ago. And these parents decided to say that kids wanted to be with Chantal and I more than with their own parents. Which they were totally wrong, to be honest. Um, the house was always open and we had teenagers come over to our house all the time. Our daughters were very young at the time and say, where's my big brother and where's my big sisters? And then we was like, oh, okay, no, well, no. <laughs> you don't have that many sisters and you don't have that many brothers, just want to say, right? And those parents went on to just stab us in the back. They did. They're friends of ours. I didn't want to deal with that. I really didn't want to deal with the people. And um, so for a few weeks, I was like, I know, I know nobody does this. I was so, I was so mad inside. I blamed God for the situation. I blamed everybody. I blamed my wife. I blamed the teenagers. I, the only person I did not own was myself, to be honest. And then at one point I was like, oh, Jesus, I can't, I can't. I'm, I'm like, I'm declining. Ooh, I, can't, I can't do this anymore. I can't hate these people and pray for them. I can't. So I went to deal with it. Went to talk with them. I said, I love you. And I know you're doing the, you're doing the best thing you think for your, for your teenagers, and that's okay. I just want you to know along the way, um, it hurts me, but I get it, and I totally forgive you, and I ask you forgiveness for something I did. It wasn't fun. But the next time I saw them, I could actually give them a hug. They're not my friends anymore. Don't, don't get me wrong. That's not what it means. But I could, I could see them and not be bitter about it. I could see them and not be nasty about it. Because small decisions and pivotal moments will always change your direction. When it's time to go to war, get ready to fight, don't send anybody else. It won't be good. Third thing about David is this one. Your victories always begin in private. That's where they happen. Before they're public, they are private. 
The world knows about David and Goliath, right? It's, a, it's an image in sports that we all know. Oh, David beat Goliath. You know, like when the Tennessee's, Tennessee Volunteers beat, who, who was that team again? Uh, I don't remember who they were, but I don't want to, okay. Sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. It's the, the small against the big guy. It's the, it's the good versus evil. It's the, the, the underdog fighting the champion. And everybody, everybody loves an underdog story. I mean, come on, let's go. We can do this. It's always good when that happens. So everybody knows about David against Goliath. They all do. But the, to be the good thing here, we can identify with David's guts. I mean, he's like, oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm ready to take it on. Bring it on, he's going down. I mean, I can't, who can identify with that? I'm like, I'm gonna take it on. He's, it's down, I'm gonna, I'm gonna win. I don't care what happens. I'm just going for it and I'm, I'm gonna get it and I'll be good. We can, we can, Sometimes we can't even, I don't know, get attached to his faith. He trusted God in that moment. I mean, imagine. The guy's twice his size. He's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring you down. And I, will you, and I will chop your head off today. He had no sword. How do you think he was going to do that? He uses Goliath's sword, right? So we can identify to all that. But here's the thing. That public victory started somewhere else. That was just a culmination of things. We see the tip of the iceberg, if we could say so. But it started somewhere else. Because our private battles always precede our public victories. All the time. His private victories were this. He took care of the sheep. What? Yeah. Beating Goliath started by taking care of sheep. When he was forgotten by his own dad, by the way. When he had to deal with the betrayal, his victory here, slaying down the giant, his highlight moment of his life started by taking care of sheep when nobody saw him. That's where it started. Proof of that is David's own words. Because the king said, well, you can't go find him. He's, he's used to it. Well, here's the thing. And here's what David says in chapter 17 of 1 Samuel. says, I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. Okay, just... We read this, we know the end of the story, right? Imagine you're the king at that moment and you've got this young punk, 17, 16, maybe even younger than that. He comes up to you, he's like, you know what? I got this. I'll slay that guy down. I'm sorry, this is all the moves I got. If you didn't film this, sorry. Kiss it goodbye, you'll never see it again. And that's Okay. So he says that, and the king is like, oh, can you? How? Give me a good reason for you to be able to do this. It's a well, yeah? Well, here's what. I was taking my dad, I was taking care of my dad's sheep and goats. <laughs> Think about it for a second. You're the king, you're like, what? 
It makes no sense, right? But David knew at that moment that what he has been preparing for in private, when nobody was watching him, when he had no record of anything, when nobody knew what he was doing, when people were forgetting him, when people just made fun of him, he knew that he was prepared for something because he had already received the anointing prior. He knew his ultimate victory would happen at one point. So I took care of my, my dad's sheep. And when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club. We don't know if it's an iron nine or whatever. We don't know that. But it's a, I go after it with a club. Rescue the lamb from its mouth. I mean, come on. It's just a little lamb. I won't tell that. And a, a well-fed bear or well-fed lion won't come back. I mean, it's just, you know, just one. And he says this, but if the animal turn on me, I catch it by the jaw. And this is my favorite one. I'm sorry, this is, this, is, this is Stefan at its best. And then I would club it to death. <laughs> what? You What? I would run with my legs. I'd be like, whoa, run, Forrest, run. Leave the lamb. It's okay, sheep. Come on, Lepoport. We love you. We love No. His victory, his ultimate victory in public was preceded with small battles in private that he won. That he won. He didn't shy away from it. He went for it and he clubbed it to death. Yeah. Oh, I can't anymore. Club it to death. Oh, it's so hard. Club it to death. Oh, this is, I don't can't, I can't do this one more day. Club it to death. Yeah. And then when Goliath shows up, you're like, I can take this one down. Because you know what? I clubbed it to death. See these scars here? Yeah, that was my first lion. He tried to take this little lamb, you know, Mary's little lamb. I just said that out loud as well, right? I'm sorry, that was just in my head. And, uh, well, he just swiped at me. Oh, but you see this right here? Well, this, well, it's the paw. I'm sorry, I killed it. I clubbed it to death. The scars and the trophies that came with it proved the victory. He was ready for it. Always. He practiced when he was alone in the fields. Come on, people. I don't know how many times. He had one chance with Goliath. He took five stones, but he had one chance. And he was ready for it when it was the time because he practiced when nobody was watching. And he fought when nobody was watching. And he held his ground when nobody's, nobody was watching. That's when victories happen. 
It's in those small private battles that we develop the resilience, the trust, and also the capacity to win. That's when we do. Because your actions and your trust in God and the power of the Holy Spirit through our lives will make us win when it's time to win. Always. Always. I want a good amen on this one. Always. Here's what I'm telling you also this morning. Might not be today. Might not be tomorrow. Tough it out. If, if there's something you could, we could remember this morning is this. Embrace hardships. Embrace it. It'll give you the best reward. Long term. It won't be instant gratification. But I'll be worth it later. Be ready, be ready to did what needs to be done. Right? Be ready to do what needs to be done. Own. Own your responsibilities. God has given you those responsibilities. Own them and go for it. Don't send other people do them and take care of those responsibilities. And the last one, remember, when you fight on your own, not on Facebook, not on Instagram, not in, oh, I got to tell you this this week to everybody, but when you fight your battles alone and you have community around you, this is when you win. And while you keep those failures, those moments where you didn't win the way you wanted, keep them close. Keep them real close. As a reminder that every victory comes with a cost. And that's awesome. It's awesome. For every victory I've had in my life, I probably had 10 failures. But we only see the highlight and the reels of victories, right? We don't see the hardships. So here's what I want us to do this morning. I won't ask the musicians to come. We'll just, we'll just have some music in the background. I want us to pray together. I want, I want our community leaders to come in front. Come on, community leaders, come in front. It's okay. Come. Maybe your community leader will be, will be needing some prayer this morning. That might be the case as well. I don't know. Right? If you're in one of those three different moments, defining moments of your life, okay, in one of those three, whew, I need to embrace hardships. I did not own responsibility. Or I, I'm still fighting those private battles. If you're in one of those three moments, it's always good to know that you, there's somebody that's got your back here. Yeah. We want to pray with you. Yeah. Here's what I want us to do. Let's close our eyes. And believe that God wants to do something powerful this morning. A defining moment that will change something. I want to pray for you. I want to pray with you. Because victories are beautiful. 
failures are not as much, and I get it. And I get it. So God, I pray that in this moment, do your work like you can. Do the work that only you can do. Some of us will need to go back to our lives right now and then, you know, and just whatever, and that's okay. But God, we want to use this defining moment as well to make it a defining moment, a pivotal decision in our lives to go and trust, to go and pray, to go stand with somebody. We thank you because you've given us victory. We thank you because that's, that's a given. We just don't necessarily see it today. We pray that we develop that resilience to trust you in all those days, weeks, months, years. And we believe that you are with us all the time. Amen. If you want some prayer, please don't hesitate. Go in front. Somebody will pray with you. I'll go down as well. If you're from our community group, come and pray. I will want to pray with you. Okay. If not, go grab a coffee before you leave. Grab a glass. But be thankful. Tell somebody I'm so thankful for what I, God has done in my life today. So make sure you leave by saying that to somebody. Okay? And we love you guys. And don't worry about the white paint. That's going to be done. And I know that God will do something great in your life. Either this week or it's coming. It's going to happen. Definitely it will happen. Okay? Hey, be blessed. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. For more information about The Dwelling, visit thedwellingchurch.org.